and uh, we thought today we'd kick off with quite a, an interesting focus and ask the question, is chaplaincy a religious service? <laughs> and, uh, you're looking at me there, Joe, so I'm presuming <laughs> you want me to, to answer that for everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much. It, it is actually quite a, a challenging thing because 20 odd years ago when I started off as a chaplain, uh, I very quickly began to realise that it wasn't uh, necessarily about religion. There was a religious component, but um, almost immediately uh, up in Teesside Hospice, I was meeting people who wanted uh, to talk things through, perhaps even think about life after death, who who definitely weren't Christians. Uh, I did one case, uh, a woman who described herself as a, an atheist, but really could not understand why she was dying at the age of 50, um, because she'd done all the right things. So there was a belief system there about, you know, uh, I'm a good person, so why are bad things happening? So, you know, I began to realise that the, the questions that were being asked, uh, which were much bigger than that and then before I go off on the tirade again uh <laughs> do you want to respond just, to that Joe? I'm, I'm interested you say much bigger than that because some people would argue there's nothing bigger than their religion and their belief but yeah they yeah. those existential questions mm. are common to every human being yeah. asking why me yeah. and trying to make sense of their circumstances and their situation and I think we are definitely there to sit alongside people as they make their own sense mm. of their situation. Absolutely. Sometimes that has a religious element to it. But my experience is that a lot of those musings and a lot of those probings that people are doing are sp definitely spiritual in nature, what I'd call spiritual, mm. although that's a contested term in itself, but um, not religious necessarily. Yeah, no. I think spiritual spirituality is a great catch-all kind of a word, but the problem is it can also mean anything you want it to mean. So that that is a, a challenge. But again, just following this theme of, of the challenge, when I uh, went down, uh, came down to Warwickshire and uh, the mountain hospices, um, I then had a, a, a new challenge because I had people wanting to volunteer to be in chaplaincy. I'd explain my sort of vision of just being there for people in that kind of uh, very open pastoral and spiritual sense. And uh, I actually had in my first three volunteers, I had one who was definitely not religious. That's not to say that they didn't have a belief in God. They actually did believe in God, but they wouldn't associate themselves with church. And if there was a, a relationship, it was a cultural relationship. That was how they described it. So a lot of those Christian values and theology, but not subscribing. So I had the, <laughs> I had the challenge then of actually saying, oh, do I bring someone like this into the chaplaincy team? And I, I actually couldn't think of a good reason why I shouldn't. So I was very happy. And I have to say that they went on for the next 15 years or so with me. And uh, they were a wonderful asset to the team. But I found many more like that. And then, of course, I began to find that I was getting people who self-described as atheists. 
um, but actually really bought into this image of pastoral and spiritual, open-minded, come one, come all kind of chaplaincy. Uh, we did do intensive training to make sure that people didn't project their own views onto people, but people really embraced it. And once they got in, you know, people really approached it in a very professional kind of a way. But I think you're getting at something there, Stig, which is important in that getting in. So you had an open mind about uh, who the appropriate people were for offering the pastoral, spiritual and religious care for, for people at the hospice. And you opened that door. And I think that is significant because a lot of people still believe that chaplaincy is a religious service. And so the door is not always open to let other people in who have other worldviews. I mean, for me, it's a bit like, a bunch of white folks sitting in a room and saying they're not being racist or a bunch of able-bodied people sitting in a room and saying that this building's totally accessible. You know, until we have that diversity of people, people's worldviews, we can't be confident that we are meeting everybody's new views and needs um, equally. Yeah. And you're really tapping into that journey for me there, Joe, because the next thing I began to sort of realize uh, was that chaplaincy in its best sense is more than even just that spiritual pastoral coming alongside the, that, in, that sense of inclusivity, because actually I began to recognize that not only could atheists help Roman Catholics plan a funeral, you know, because it was more about family dynamics than it was about the religious side of things. But actually, it was really helpful to have people who were from uh, the LGBT community, although actually, I don't even like saying from as if it's something separate, because actually, no, we're all immersed in, in that to some degree. But on the, on the other hand, they were also not just representing a faith stance, they were also representing um, a stance in terms of their sexuality, uh, which was also important because medically speaking, clinically speaking, there were still people from the LGB community saying, when I went to the NHS, I got a different kind of a treatment once they realized I was LGBT, mm. including the famous comment, oh, well, you brought this on yourself, mm. Mm. which just horrified me. But there was more, and I, I found there was uh, perhaps issues around mental health as well, that uh, actually a chaplain could be really effective. Yeah, but I, I, again, people can carry with them when they hear the word chaplain or see someone perhaps mm. with a dog collar on, There'll be some people who fear uh, judgment or fear a reaction uh, because of that dog color. That's not to say in any way that person is going to project their views or, 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 or judge people, but the perception. So, you know, a, a recent survey said that 84% of people perceive a chaplain to be a Christian. Mm, yeah, whether or not that. they they have a dog collar on just the label chaplain sets yeah. people off on that journey yeah. and there will be some people who decline a visit by a chaplain or a conversation with a yeah. chaplain because they fear that is going to be 
a religious conversation yeah. or a prayer that they yeah. do not want. Yeah. Mind you, a Lord is in a setting where you can spend time with people so they have a chance to observe you in, in practice. But being in a hospice, which is that kind of environment, I, I did several times find that I would get the instruction, Oi, you, sit here. Uh, and it was to sit alongside someone who had initially indicated they didn't want to, to talk to me. But watching me with other people, um, they, they would think, yep, this is someone who is open-minded enough I, I can share. And I also remember uh, one particular individual patient who, every time I met him in the day hospice, uh, used to tell me the most vile, disgusting jokes <laughs> and <laughs> I just went in, to be honest, I didn't have any trouble laughing because, you know, vile though they were, some of them were remarkably funny. Um, but eventually what he was doing, of course, was just testing me until the day came and he said, sit down, I want to tell you something. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think we've also got to give people credit as well. And there's also this thing about people judge us in the first 10 seconds just on mm. primarily on body language mm. but Do also you know we, we've got to remember that religion is part of chaplaincy services yeah. and should be part of chaplaincy services and you know it's incredibly important for some people so it's a channel for people to access prayer or ritual or sacrament that they may need and we must you know in a hospice in a in a hospital there are moments of real challenge and real yeah personal journeys you know uh, that people are on and of course those who are religious will turn to their religion and their religious leaders for help and it's part of our job mm. to refer people or channel people to those mm. to those roots and resources that they need um, but that's not to say we can't have conversations I remember a conversation I had with a with a with a woman about her she was a Muslim having a conversation about what her faith meant to her. And as she was talking to me, she had her hand on her heart. I could see where she felt her faith and how she expressed it. She knew I wasn't a Muslim, but we had probably a 20 minute conversation about how her faith gave her strength. Yep. And at the end, she said she thanked me for the conversation because yep. she had so enjoyed articulating it to me and having it validated by me in the listening. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm certainly not saying as a humanist that religion doesn't belong in chaplaincy, yeah. but what I would argue is that it's not an exclusively religious service. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I, I think I, I just want to even leave that argument behind because it's, it's like trying to decide what it is to be human. You know, it's... It, it, there are all aspects involved in there. And I think if chaplaincy can't somehow get its act together and embrace what it is to be human primarily, you know, and as human beings, yes, we do have all kinds of beliefs. We, you know, some rational, some irrational, some empirically based, objectively based, some of them just because we would like them to be true. Yeah, there's, there's all of that range um, and all the influences that can affect people. And yeah. for me, I, I've always got a buzz from that, actually sitting down with someone and you don't know what is going to emerge. Yeah, no, you really don't know, do you? And that's that's part of the 
curiosity and the intrigue of the job, I think, the, the uniqueness of every single person's experience, yeah. whether they are a patient that you're talking to or a member of staff or a colleague, that is endlessly intriguing and interesting and, and engages you in different conversations with yourself as well I think but I'm interested in going back to the point that you made at the beginning about how you sort of open the doors to different people coming and joining your team and how that um, enhanced what you had to offer and, and created mm. new opportunities because I think that the evidence is that in chaplains where chaplains open those doors more follow mm. so mm. you once you break yeah. down that idea it's one you know, I mean, let's face it, sort of over 90% of NHS chaplains are Church of England. Mm. You know, it's hugely weighted in that direction. I think times are changing. But once the doors open and people experience the richness that comes from having diverse colleagues, mm. then that's a road we'll go down uh, to a point of redefining what chaplaincy is for mm. the modern world. Yeah. And, and funnily enough, I, I, because we keep using the, the phrase chaplaincy and, and to that extent chaplaincy is a, a loaded word, but actually I, I really take heart from the number of um, people within chaplaincy who are not Christian, let alone Anglican, who actually embrace the word chaplain. And uh, going back to the humanist course, uh, uh, that um that, that we met on i you know i do remember your instructor i just loved it so much you know he said no we just get on and we do it because that's who we are we are chaplains mm. you know it wasn't the fact that he was a humanist chaplain or a christian chaplain or a muslim chaplain we're just chaplains and i think that's also important within the team itself because then we can support each other we can give different ideas different ways of thinking um just as a, a bit of a trailer for I, I am also hoping to um have an interview at one of our later episodes with leon who uh, is from guiana um is black and in one sense that shouldn't matter at all but he really opened up our eyes in our chaplaincy team to the needs of uh, our afro-caribbean uh, patients and some of the cultural beliefs yeah i'm not talking about big oh my goodness we got that wrong although there were one or two perhaps incidents we could have done better as we realized but actually just the low level stuff understanding the way different groups and their minds worked uh and I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, leon will be able to come and talk to us uh, at, at some time because, yeah absolutely uh, it's, the, it's, the, the insights isn't it that we get from from having different people on the team whether it's a woman or a yeah a, a, a black person or a, someone from a different belief it gives us new perspectives yeah. um and definitely that that that's a strength it's going to go back to something that you said earlier what was it what were you talking about before stig something um, about um i don't know i don't listen to what the word i say yeah <laughs> um, oh i know i was going to go back and say so I just wanted to pick up because it was interesting what you said about being called chaplains because yeah. at Bradford Teaching Hospitals where I work, we've actually retired the name chaplain. Mm. 
so it's we've called it retiring because to give it some respect and to mm. um, acknowledge the role that 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 name has played but we are now spark practitioners so mm. that's spiritual pastoral and religious care practitioners and the service has re been rebranded mm. with the idea of it being more inclusive and perceived by everybody in the trust as being for them so it's about your pastoral care it's about your spiritual care and it may be about your religious care mm. and so we have we have moved on from that term chaplain because we felt it was limiting people's perception of what we could do and how we contributed but also there's history there you know so so there was a time and I know there's some other colleagues where people have been challenged about calling themselves chaplain if they are humanists or if they are Muslim or if they are Sikh mm. because it's perceived by some people as being a Christian term and therefore not transferable to other belief groups mm. so that can also happen so I would say it's not a commonly widely equally accepted term and there, there might be on the part of some people an acceptance of that's the way in mm. but it's not necessarily the name we'd have chosen if we were starting now mm. yeah and the, the difficulty is of course you're still left with the need on some level to explain explain uh, what it is to be a sparky you know mm -hmm. um, we actually came up with the same kind of uh, idea uh, in, in the host in the hospice because uh, you know spiritual pastoral and religious care um, uh, it was the route we came at it but um, actually that, that was turned down because people within the team felt they wanted to embrace being chaplains so but i i can recognize both but I, I for me there's all still going to be a problem with having to explain for how many generations what it is to be a sparky um i actually loved it because you know for me sparky uh <laughs> I, it was me who proposed it, you know, because it's a, you know, it's, you know, you could actually say sparkler as well. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a lovely image bringing brightness and light <laughs> with, uh, with your name as well as your personality, perhaps. But I don't think there's ever going to be a, an easy route round. And I also have a, uh, on a personal level, this is just my, my, my view. I, I worry when we try and find just alternative names and ways of saying things, because what uh, you, you see in other areas is people actually start just transferring the same values, the same expectations. Uh, and we see that in, in mental health a lot, you know, the traditional words that you weren't allowed to use. But after so long, after a certain period of time, all the old values came along with that word now i i don't know what the answer is on that um i i suppose ultimately i would just say i i would want practice to to rule more than the name yeah uh, and i think i think that's another thing that can happen is people get so caught up with discussing the ins and outs of a name yeah. where it's actually fundamentally it's the service that we need yeah. to be looking at and what we do yeah. so yeah i don't i I wouldn't necessarily want us to trip over that again. And we have mm. called this opening up chaplaincy as a, as a mm. 
as a, a podcast name. And I think that's partly to be thinking if people are looking up chaplaincy, they won't be looking up spark. They won't be looking up another term. They'll be looking up chaplaincy. Yep. So it is the go-to phrase at the moment for what we do. And uh, therefore we, we, we work within those parameters really. Yeah. Well, anyway, we've obviously uh, touched on a very challenging aspect of chaplaincy there as being uh, sparky or, or not. Um, so do get in touch, open up chap all one word at gmail.com and tell us your your views if you prefer to speak rather than write well send us an audio file uh, we'll try and use it otherwise we'll read your emails but this is really the kind of discussions that we we should all be having i feel within our chaplaincy teams perhaps some places it will be appropriate to stay with chaplain uh, other places will want to go with something like you know the spark team uh, and it, it, it's got to be what it, the whole idea of chaplaincy is you help people to find their answers and probably each chaplaincy team needs to find their own answer too as how they as how they negotiate the, that uh, process so anyway i feel like you're you're drawing us to a close stick which sounds like a good idea because uh... <laughs> Yeah, well, we can rabbit on for ages otherwise yeah well um, we usually do but we're hoping that you know this this one obviously it's just been Stig and myself we're hoping in future episodes to have other people joining us for our musings um and uh we look forward to we won't see you again will we but what do we say we look forward to your company and on another occasion <laughs> yes indeed so <laughs> so that's a goodbye from me <laughs> goodbye until the next time bye now